Welcome to Midi the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. All right, let's get started. This week on the pod, I'm joined by parents Jackie and Luke O'Farrell in honour of Pregnancy and Infant Awareness Month, where they share the story of their baby boy, Oakley, who was born sleeping. After a traumatic birthing experience with their daughter, Charlie, Jackie and Luke were excited to be pregnant again and achieve that birthing experience that they had always dreamt of. But sadly, at around 31 weeks, things took a turn as Oakley's movements began to decrease. Jackie and Luke reminisce on this challenging period of their life where they had to process the news of their baby's passing. Within this episode, we discuss the birth of baby Oakley and share an insight into the mindset of parents experiencing loss, as well as highlighting some of the real struggles they face postpartum. Luke, Jackie and myself hope that this episode raises awareness about some of the emotions families will experience, as well as how you can best support someone experiencing loss in whatever form that may be. Following the passing of baby Oakley, Jackie founded Boomy Babe, where she created a postpartum feeding blanket, which is designed for ultimate comfort for mums. Boomy Babe has since donated $5 from every blanket sold between the Stillbirth Foundation Australia and Still Aware. In reflection of Pregnancy and Infant Awareness Month, Boomy Babe is offering a 10% discount by using the discount code MIDI10. Please welcome the extremely resilient parents, Jackie and Luke. Hello everyone and welcome back to MIDI the podcast. Like we said last week, Jackie is joining us again with her husband, Luke, to share their story about their little boy, Oakley. So Jackie, welcome back on the podcast and Luke, welcome to the Media the Podcast for the first time. Do you guys want to quickly introduce yourselves? Hello. Thanks for having us uh, on again. Um, always nice to sort of talk about my kids and um, you know all my birth experience and good to have Luke here as well, sort of sitting with me and going through his side of everything because obviously I went through it, but so did he as well. Hi, I'm Luke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to giving my side of like my experience with Oakley and stuff and talking about kind of how the male perspective feels Mm. um, stuff because I know I speak to my mates sometimes about birth and all that and it's um, they see it differently than I do. It's weird. Yeah. I was talking to a mate long ago and all he could focus on was the smells that he was experiencing. I was like, <laughs> That's struggling. the least of the concerns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah get a group. Nah, kidding. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Thank you so much to both of you for, you know, wanting to come on this week. I guess this episode is in honour of your little angel baby, Oakley, and it is also the Infant Loss Remembrance Day this week too. So I'm very grateful to have you both on to share your story because we know that loss is a conversation that's not always spoken about. You would have never expected it to happen to yourselves, but also the support that you received from friends and family. I'm just looking forward to you sharing your side of the story and hoping 
you know, open up a conversation about loss and stillbirth and how people can support you or other families who might be going through a similar situation. And it's great to have you on too, Luke, because I feel like on this podcast, I've spoken to a lot of females about their experience with loss. And, you know, I know as a midwife that the dad's sometimes do get that little bit neglected from us but you are involved so much in the process and it's a yeah it's a massive thing for a male to go through too so I guess Jackie we covered a bit about your story in the last episode and obviously that was quite a traumatic experience within itself although we did try and highlight some of those positives within that experience as well um Going back, when did you think, okay, yeah, I feel like we could try again for another baby after suffering, you know, your cardiac arrest during labor? Yeah. So Luke and I always wanted kids really relatively close together anyway. Um, And obviously there was big conversation around what that would look like now having gone Mm. Charlie's birth and labor. Um, So yeah, I think it was, Charlie was nine months old and um, I was just sitting at the table one day and I was feeding her her breakfast and you know it was just getting everywhere and I was just felt exhausted and you know she wasn't actually eating any of it so I was like why I'm so wrecked like why am I even bothering like feeding this toddler this food it's not getting in her mouth and then I stood up to try and start cleaning and I just got this like wave of dizziness and I'm like oh my goodness like almost to the point of like passing out and I thought oh my god what's going on like I'd already eaten breakfast that day and i never really experienced like lightheadedness before Um, and thought, oh, hang on, hang on a second. Maybe I will just go and check on this. Um, And yeah, lo and behold, we were um, pregnant. I think I would have been, yeah, it was Charlie, sorry, 10 months old. So I was four weeks uh, pregnant. Um, So we got our wish. (laughs) It was two very close together. Um, And it sort of like, hits you almost immediately all of that trauma that you've gone through because it's like I've got to go mm. through that again what it, but you just don't know how it's going to unfold so um there was a lot of talk with um our midwife we got appointed this really amazing incredible beautiful angel midwife um and worked heavily with her on just sort of setting up a good foundation to go into the birth as positive as possible and not yeah try and you know obviously it's going to come up and we're going to have fears and anxieties and a lot of um nervousness going in there but I didn't want it to sort of ruin the experience in a way like I just wanted to acknowledge things as they come up but not to let it kind of completely overshadow Mm. the whole thing because I would really kick myself if we come out of that experience going oh, the whole time I was just scared and stressed and worried and panicked. And then that inevitably kind of impacted my labor and birth and didn't then again, another one that, you know, that how I didn't sort of see it going, which was another natural, we were hoping for a natural um, birth again this time. Um, Mm. Luke was getting really excited at the prospect of, um, you know, getting in there, getting his hands dirty um, and yeah, giving it good crack because he sort of has experienced a bit of a labor um enough to sort of have a good foundation of going okay well these are things that I can do now this time mm. um but yeah a lot of conversation with our midwife sort of going over the story and what we've been through and then working on what okay what 
should we put in place now um, in order to get that natural labour? So it was things like going into the hospital um, just on the ground floor. So I'd go in and get Charlie's vaccinations there. And that was mm-hmm. my starting point. And then we would do, after a few goes at that, we'd go up to the rooms with the midwives um, and would go for a walk around the halls there just to get become adapted yeah. uh, to this, um, the hospital again. And then we had a time where we'd go up onto the birthing floor and we'd sort of walk around the halls there, we'd go into a birthing room. And that was mm-hmm. just sort of prepping us because I didn't want to get to the hospital and never having stepped foot in there between Charlie's birth and then this time when we're giving birth and just have a complete meltdown um, because you don't do that while you're dealing with you know trying to birth a child so a lot a lot of prep work went in um, before uh, Oakley was born we didn't know what we were having so we're going to leave it as a surprise so I thought I was having a girl again but then I was carrying like super low super wide and everyone was like you're Mm -hmm. having a boy and I was like nah nah I reckon it's a girl we went and did another birth class we found that really valuable just to sort of have a refresh because we didn't get any birth classes during Charlie's um yes so I think that was really good to go in hands-on and sort of run through it all again as a bit of a refresher um and that was all focused around that natural birth as well. Mm. I was going to say, like, you guys should be so proud of yourself for that prep work that you put in because obviously what you went through with Charlie's labour and birth was unimaginable, right? No one would ex- ever expect that to happen and there was a, probably a lot to work through and, yeah, you're exactly right. If you held on to that trauma and weren't prepared to work through it and enter that birthing suite with a completely different mindset of course you're going to have some sort of anxiety in the back of your mind because it was a traumatic experience but honestly like to get yourself into that positive place is phenomenal and it's just a testament to the both of you guys but Luke I wanted to ask you the question obviously with the last labor how did you mentally prepare for Jackie to go into labor and you know, was it in the back of your mind that she might go through another traumatic experience? Uh, yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. I think I sometimes, without knowing, mm. I don't repress a lot of stuff and it comes out in probably the worst time. So like Jackie's aware of this. So she tries to prep me and like teach me as much as I possibly need to know for mm. um, the birth and that. And I think with the birth of Charlie as well like because I hadn't sp- experienced anything like that before I, I kind of missed the mark on a lot of things because I'm like oh, I think I'm prepared but I don't know what really I'm preparing too much for like when we did the birthing class like I walked out of that and I'm like oh that was that was awesome because I've, I've learned so much but I can like put it practically to what I've experienced with Charlie yeah and like when we went, I actually went and done the birth, like I felt like I did a lot better. And then when um, with Connor, I felt like I'm like, I got this because I've done the birth class. I've now experienced two births and then I was able to implement it. Yeah. Because I, I learned by doing stuff. Mm, exactly. So I can, like I can watch a thousand videos yeah. of births and, and hear people's stories and stuff like that. But unless I'm like doing it, I, won't, I wasn't able to like learn. So yeah. I think because we're prepping for – a natural birth and like we really kind of wanted to do a home birth yeah if possible mm. but like our housing situation didn't allow it we're renovating and it just it wouldn't <laughs> be a conducive birthing environment <laughs> <laughs> oxytocin <laughs> wasn't flowing <laughs> yeah 
which so was like, unfortunate because that, that I think would have been really nice. Yeah, I reckon well. it would have been yeah. really pretty cool. But it's because I knew that the epidural was the harm. So I was like, we're not really, well, in my mind, I was like, I'm pretty confident that Jackie could, could do it without it. So yeah. like, my confidence in her ability settled me a bit because I'm like, I don't think we're going to get to an epidural again because I know how strong she is. So I'm like, I was, I was kind of content until it was kind of happening. Yeah. That's when my like anxiety and, and like yeah. that sort of stuff started happening. And yeah, that's when it, I really felt like I was stressing about it when it was like, it was happening. Go time. Also on top of yeah. him, him not moving and all that sort of stuff. So it was like a different sort of stress. Just a lot of yeah. conversation at the start around what our expectations were. And mm. for me, I would say I'm not going to be have any capacity to be telling you I need I need this, I need this, I need this. I kind of just need for you to know what you're doing because that's yeah. going to benefit me the most. So I'm not, I can't be this, you know, um, project manager because yeah. project manager's on holidays birthing a baby. Like she's busy doing her own thing. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think what made me yeah, what made me kind of be able to put myself into that situation is the way the Rhea Dempsey kind of words things is that like it's to picture your partner going through like um, a, running a marathon or like uh, in the gym and stuff like that and like push themselves to the, to the limit. I can relate with that. So I'm yeah. like, all right, I get that. What would I need if I was because I've run a half marathon before? I go to the gym. So what would I need if I was putting my body through something like that? Yeah. So I was able to like that, like that resonated with me. So I was able to like implement. relate to it. Yeah. yeah. That, the gym philosophy quite heavily, like, you know, I'm working, I'm not, nothing to be saved. You see someone, you know, squatting really heavy and you don't go, oh, it's a bit heavy. Maybe just put it down Yeah. You don't need to do that. It was kind of like the amping me up as though you would in a workout. And he took that very literally when we <laughs> <laughs> when we were in giving birth which was great um but yeah he did a really really good job um supporting me when he was also going through a really like emotional time but we kind of um yeah looked at it as another opportunity for a bit of healing still yeah um, yeah so you yeah. definitely went in with an open mindset but you had done so much preparation like you both had done your own individual preparation and had almost an idea of how you were going to walk into you know, this labor and birth before you went into it, which is, you know, massive considering what you went through and the analogy of like running a marathon. I mean, when I teach my classes, that's exactly what I do because I'm like to the support people, you are like the person on the side with the water, with the lollies, the hydrolyte, cheering them on and without you, like they wouldn't get through the race. And they're like, oh yeah, that's so right. I could do that. As a support person, honestly, you need to educate yourself because like you said with your with like the first labor luke it was completely different because you know you had done some sort of education but probably not as in depth as what you did with the um next pregnancy no and i think we kind of put it well i know i did the first one i'm like well everyone there knows what they're doing mm. so mm. i'll half let them tell me yeah but it's in the second one i was like Maybe I can't really rely on the people in this room. So we're steering the ship with this one. Yeah. 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 And definitely, but like I would recommend that for any person walking into a birthing suite. Like, of course, your healthcare providers are there to support you, but you still need to be the captain of your ship and advocate for yourself and do all those things that you want. And we're there to sort of, you know, row the boat to get you through. Um, Yeah. How good's that analogy? You just made that up in my head. <laughs> Once you fell pregnant with Oakley, 
Can you share with us how that pregnancy then progressed? Everything uh, was tracking really well. I was extremely sick and exhausted. So I was still breastfeeding Charlie while pregnant with Oakley. Um, and I did that for the entirety of my pregnancy. I spent most of it on the couch and never been more guilty in my life. Um, having like a one-year-old sort of laying on, on a cushion on the floor, mimicking her mum. Uh, we, I just remember going, oh my God, I feel so guilty. Like I really want to get up and play with you, darling. I like just have zero capacity right now. And I, you know, you do your best and it is what it is, but otherwise everything was pre- like seemed fine. Um, I did have another marginal cord insertion. Um, so yeah. two for two, um, but you know, I was sort of educated and, you know, didn't feel worried by that at all. So um other than that was fine. And then uh, so as the weeks went on, um, uh, I think I would have had, I think I had a couple of extra scans. They just did that just in case, um, or it could have been because the marginal cord insertion, um, but they started noticing a bit of extra fluid uh, around the baby. But again, it was sort of like under the limit, nothing to really concern ourselves with. Um, yeah. And I sort of dubbed him as the hurricane, well, or we dubbed him as the hurricane baby. So he was just rolling around in there, having the best time, like all day, every day. So in terms of um, movements and things like that, which, you know, when you have your first baby, they tell you to monitor your movements, but you kind of really don't know what you're looking or feeling for and mm. you just have to get used to your baby and that's the hardest thing because yeah and that just is reliant on you and your own intuition and your own sort of connection with your baby and that's why we say don't don't have like kick counts just whatever is normal for yeah. your baby and any deviation to that is then you know abnormal yes so Oakley made it really easy for me to sort of uh, keep a check on that and so once my movements I uh, got to 31 weeks um, I was just so big um, so so big and he was sitting breech as well so you know there was a lot of talk around um, how we were sitting and so when I was when we went into the hospital because I'd noticed my movements had reduced they said oh well you know he's changed position he's sitting breech you're probably feeling things differently and I said yeah but you know I could I could still feel like you can feel Still feel the swishing and the movements and they said you've got a bit of extra fluid that's probably why you're not feeling some extra kicks and you know I was like yeah I took it all on board but it still wasn't didn't still feel, feel right yeah for me and so I think just um trusting myself a little bit more um I that that's what I took out of um you know my pregnancy with Oakley it was just trusting myself to know my baby and my body um mm. Yeah, so like it wasn't really like no real issues along the way. Nothing was um, flagged as a problem, but yeah, just um, starting to towards the thirty week mark, so show a little bit of signs that something wasn't quite right. Yeah, yeah, and obviously those decrease in fetal movements persisted in the next couple of weeks. Um, which resulted in you going into the hospital. Do you mind sharing some more about that and sort of when that your pregnancy with Oakley did change? So it was actually over the course of um, probably one week. Yeah, so it was one day I just was like, oh, he's not moving as much as what he usually does. I'll just kind of keep a check on it. And um, then there was one afternoon I was like, he's really not, like really not moving. Um, very much, like uh, the intensity um, and the uh, amount, like 
you know, mm. had really dropped. So it was both. It wasn't just like he's having a sleep and then he's waking up. Um, it was both um, that had changed. And so I just said, we just said, oh, we'll go into the hospital. And of course, the second you get into the hospital and you're sitting there in the waiting room, the baby starts to kick and you go, oh, you know. Yeah, but that should never be a reason like to not come in. And we, like, it just goes good. Good. Yes. That's the best outcome. That is, that is actually the best thing. Like so many women are so feel so silly when they come in and their baby starts to moving. Um, but we're like, that's the best possible thing best for for everyone. Yeah. It's annoying maybe the trip to the hospital, but otherwise like that is so reassuring because we know that baby's movements is one of the best signs that, you know, how they are managing in utero. And that's something I'd really stress to a lot of first time mums. Mm. Feel silly, feel silly. It's your first time you don't know. You are better off going in and checking just in case than having something wrong because you will not, you know, with yourself if something is wrong or you'll take the blame for that. And I just sort of then like after Oakley, you know, just sort of said to myself, well, I'm happy to be wrong and I'm happy to look silly. I don't care because I would prefer a safe baby over looking silly any day of the week. Mm. Um, so we'd gone in and uh, went in to be assessed and <clears throat> had the CTG on uh, and we were there for quite a while. So it was, I think at night time, we went in around maybe 8.30 or something and we're there for a few hours and we're like, oh God, like how much longer is this going to take? Like is the baby okay? Is it not okay? And they weren't showing any sort of signs that anything was wrong. They just kept saying, oh, he's, he must be asleep um, and because they're looking for a certain amount of um, yeah. movements and you know they've got their um, policies and processes that they need to stick to but as we all described it they just needed to get a certain amount of you know movement pretty much it has to like meet the hospital's criteria for us yeah. to say that it's a normal and reassuring CTG yeah um, so they said like you probably won't be here much longer we've like almost got it should be fine he just he just seemed to be sleeping um so they were happy and we had a midwife appointment I think a day or two later how many weeks were you were you 31 weeks yeah Yeah. um so they said look it's late you can come back in tomorrow and we can do some more monitoring if you like and I said yeah okay I'll come back in tomorrow and then you can just like you basically spend the day there and over course for longer period um get to see what the baby's doing get a better insight and they said we'll also do a scan just in case I said great yeah so I went in in the morning um, and was there for most of the day. Um, if anyone's going in to get monitored for the day, bring a pillow, bring stuff that's comfy for you because, yeah, you just are laying there and you don't want to sit there stressing for the whole time. So you may as well make yourself comfortable. And you also don't know how long it's going to take. No. Not I mean, a- realistically, we shouldn't really have CTGs on for a significant period of time, but sometimes it happens. It could be as short as, you know, 15 minutes and as long as... I don't even know. There's, it can stay on for a long time sometimes. Yeah. Um, but while I was sitting there, it was actually um, quite nice. Um, you know, we hadn't really been back to the hospital um, to sort of see any of the people that were there for Charlie's birth. Um, mm. Sort of stumbled across one or two here and there. Um, but while I was sitting there, the midwife that was taking care of me that day, uh, oh, actually five minutes before, um, I was sitting there and this woman opens the curtain. She kind of just stares at me for a second. And I said to myself, am I meant to know this woman? I don't have any idea who she is. And she comes in and she goes, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah. I was actually the lady that um, was doing your CPR with your daughter when she was born. And I just, 
you know, started bawling my eyes out and I actually had the opportunity to thank her and had a quick chat with her. Um, and so when she's left the midwife that was taking care of me, come back in. And so it was a bit teary. I said, Oh, I'm really sorry. Like, um, Oh, long story, but we had this really hard time with my daughter. She goes, yeah, I know. I was there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of the hospital staff was there and they were just, yeah, I think. Um, I think they would have been like relieved to sort of see you and see you like okay and yeah. you know, feeling okay yeah. to be pregnant again and have another really baby. Um, yeah. It was nice to see. And so this midwife was actually out with Luke in the hallway um, when Charlie was born. Mm-hmm. Um sort of reassuring him and being there for him. Um, and then I was taken off for the scan. The scan was fine. Again, I got a bit of extra fluid, but nothing to be concerned about. Um, movements were good. They just kept saying, oh, he's just sleeping. And I kept saying, oh, he doesn't really, like he doesn't really sleep. Like I know that sounds, you know, a baby's obviously sleep, but it just felt like this kid never stopped. And we were, you yeah. know, how... Yeah, Charlie's very energetic and we thought, oh, God, we're going to have another one that's, you know, <laughs> tornadoing through the house. Um, and so, yeah, I went home and uh, they'd actually said, you can come back again tomorrow. And I said, but if it's just going to be the same thing again tomorrow, I'm like, I've got a midwife appointment on the Friday. Like, I think I'll be happy to have the day off and spend the day with Charlie um, if everything's looking fine. Yeah. Um, and they said, yeah. And I said, should my movements go back to what they were? And the doctor said, yeah. And I said, well, they haven't. And they said, oh, well, it's up to you. You can go home. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just come back to my midwife appointment. We come back, you know, a day or two later. Um, heartbeat, everything seemed fine there. And then um, my movements still hadn't gone back to what they were. So I was just kind of monitoring it. But we had a quite a busy weekend sort of out and about. And um so I wasn't, you know, you, when you're sitting, you can feel your baby moving a lot easier than your mind was sort of somewhere else. Yeah. Distracted. And so we got back on, uh, the Monday and I said, right, my job today is to lay on that couch and see what this baby's doing. Um, and so I laid there and I laid there and I laid there and I started to get more worried and more worried and more worried. Um, Luke was at work that day and I called, he, he'd always call me on the way home from work and then would always go for a walk with the dog after work. Yeah. Family. And, um, he called me and I just said, Luke, something's wrong. This baby, I have not felt him, I felt it all day, all day. I can't feel anything. Um, and I just, yeah, I was, uh, quite, I was in hysterics. Um, I just felt something was really off, um, it sounds a little bit graphic, um, but when I would move or shift weight, mm. kind of like this, there's no tone behind it. It's just kind of the swish, you think swish of water was at the stage now where I was thinking something's, yeah, something's off, something's not right. We end up doing a bit of our walk. Um, we are just kind of like talking, like talking about what the plan was going to be and like what I'd be comfortable with. And um, I remember saying to Luke, if we lose this baby, I'm like, I don't think I could do this again. Like it was just a really big pregnancy and a really like, you mm-hmm. know, I could never think you would ever get over giving birth to a baby that had died. Um, and I remember the dog, we've got a great Dane. So his head's kind of at my belly height and I was, he was walking past me and he just kind of rubbed his head on my belly. And I said, he knows there's something wrong. Like there's something wrong. And that was kind of for me going, that cemented it going, right, well, we need to go to the hospital. 
Mm. And Jackie, obviously you called Luke. Luke, do you remember like that phone call of Jackie's concerns? Yeah, I I remember when she called me and I think when she told me, she's like, I'm really concerned. And I know she was kind of saying it um, like days ago and going to the hospital and stuff like that. Mm. I think because I, I remember when Jackie said, I don't think I'll be able to do this again if we lose this baby. I was thinking that and I didn't, didn't know how to bring it up. Mm. As all this stuff was going on, I think I was trying to like deny that it was something, a possibility yeah. that something like that could happen to us after what happened with Charlie. Because you don't ever think, um, I'm like, everything seems fine. And then all of a sudden it's just not going to be fine. Yeah. Never had yeah. we ever contemplated that something would go wrong, like so significantly with this. Birth. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you say, like, like surely we can't lose go a baby through that. Yeah. after what we've just gone through with Charlie. And I was, I just, it's like, I was just kind of, trying to deny it and then that day when she called me I was like it sounds a bit more serious and then when I got home like it actually comes in my head pretty often where she she said put your put your hand on my stomach and then she moved and I I just felt the thud Mm -hmm. and nothing else and then she moved again and I felt the thud and she goes there's nothing there's no like push back which what he what he what he would always do like he would if he um, if she moved in like a, a quick way, he would like do a big kick and that didn't happen. Mm. And yeah, I, I think that'll sit, sit with me forever. Like that, that feeling of yeah, in my gives, hands like that. It gives me goosebumps because literally like last year it was, I think it was the like week of Christmas or the 24th of December. And this woman came in with decreased fetal movements and, you know, emergency called up being like, there's no, we can't get like a fetal heart rate down here. She's not feeling movements. Well, actually she was saying that she was feeling movements, but it was exactly what you just described with, yeah, you know, feeling the baby move within the waters, but not necessarily like actually actively moving. And um, yeah, she came up and we put the scanner on. It makes me emotional talking about it because that was like, it was just such a horrible experience like to be you know there's no right time for any of this to ever happen to anyone and just like to be the midwife in the room and to not break the news but be there that you know your baby no longer has a heartbeat and watch the reaction of just the total disbelief and how like how could that ever happen and just around Christmas time it was freaking heavy awful yeah awful absolutely awful and I guess from obviously those feelings that you were feeling you knew something in your gut was wrong because you were so in tuned with Oakley like he'd been moving around your tummy for 31 weeks you knew whenever there was a deviation to the normal and you listened to your gut and we don't know why these things happen with babies there's no we have still have no explanation why stillbirths occur um, but sort of what happened next once you went and made the decision that we'll go into hospital? So while we were walking, um, Luke had called our midwife and um, our primary midwife was um, not on call or she wasn't working. So we had the secondary midwife, um, also incredible woman. Um, and she said, look, just come in. 
just come in. There's no harm in coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, yeah, we'll be there in 10 minutes. We were five minutes from the hospital and a couple of minutes from home. So we just went straight to the hospital. Um, my parents were really close as well. So they come straight over. Um, once we went into the hospital, we kind of moved in relatively quickly. Um, because it was the second time presenting and that was the whole thing. It was like working with the hospital policy because we were aiming for the water birth, but if you go in and present, you know, with decreased times, fetal movements. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was in the back of my mind, but it was so, so much of a change that I said, I don't even care about the home birth anymore. It's more about like, there's something really wrong. So, um, we went in there and, um, the first, you know, sometimes some midwives take a little bit of time to get to the heartbeat. You know, they'll talk and they'll say, what's going on? This midwife was, all right, let's get the the Doppler out. We'll just get heartbeat straight away. And it's always a really nice relief when you go, okay, baby's heart's beating. There's the biggest hurdle gone. We can kind of deal with whatever else comes up, you know, Doppler straight on. And um, she was saying, oh, you know, sometimes it can take a bit of time. I was just with a woman and it took a little bit of time, but everything was fine. And I was still trying to be really hopeful. Um, throughout all of this and I thought okay you know it's just the extra fluid and that's you know because he would move so much it was hard to sort of get a heartbeat and he was sitting in breach so all these things were going through my mind while I was laying there and it felt like a really long time that she was sitting there trying to look for this heartbeat but I was still like trying to be positive she goes oh I'm so sorry she goes I'm not going to make you guys wait any longer I'm going to go get someone else you know I'm sort of throwing my hat up I can't get it I'll let someone else give it a go um she goes everything's fine left the room come back in um another woman uh, come in I think she was a doctor and they just bought a scan machine yeah easier yeah so she says we're not going to put you through any more like waiting let's just get straight to this and then scanning 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 and she's saying I'm sorry this is a different machine and so then she was having troubles like with the machine and so that was dragging that even more and then she said look I'm like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to take you to another room because I know that there's this particular machine in another room. And still to this day, I don't know if it was them knowing there was something wrong, just trying to move me from that room to another room because they were obviously going to give us some bad news. Um, but then so we moved to another room, more scanning, more scanning. And she said, Jackie, I'm really sorry. Um, I just want to get all the information before telling telling you like what's going yeah. on. Um, so Luke had seen enough scans at this point to sort of go, all right. I haven't seen the little flicker of any heartbeat there. Um, and so when we're sitting in this room, Luke was sort of sitting down towards my legs and he just sort of started crying mm-hmm. before we were even told. He just knew, I think, within himself. Um, and then because she kept saying, I just want to get all the information, I thought something's really, really wrong. And so then I I just started bawling my eyes out. Um mm-hmm sort of just like bracing for the news and then she just put a hand on on my leg and she said I'm really sorry but there's no heart and she goes we are going to get another doctor in um who's going to do another scan just to make sure um she goes I'm so sorry and she just sat with me there for a moment and it's you know those sort of things that you really stick with you just the compassion um so then another doctor come in and so he was doing another scan. He goes, I'm really sorry to have to put you through this, but we are just going to do another scan. Um, and then he said again, I'm, I am sorry, but there isn't a heartbeat. And they kept trying to check. And, you know, I kind of just 
wanted to say like just I want you to stop looking because we're not going to find anything else and I don't want to hear that sentence again I can't hear it again and they said we'll just give you a minute um and so we just yeah sat in this room together and we kind of just took turns wailing and you, it's like you couldn't cry hard enough um to sort of get out what you were feeling inside um and then it would just hit you again and then you know so it was back and forth with both Luke and I and then it sort of dawned on me oh my god I still have to give birth like I still have to go through a whole labor on top of feeling like this and I just kept saying I don't want to do it I don't want to do it I can't do it um and yeah we were there for I don't know how long but we'd sort of drained like every tear out of us and um was sitting outside the room and there was this other midwife just standing there I think she was just cleaning up and she said can I get you guys a cup of tea or anything you know everyone around us was just being so beautiful and nice and you you would probably I probably look like a bus had hit me at that point um and you you kind of feel a little bit guilty walking through like around all these pregnant women like you know because I wouldn't want to upset them and I know it would be hard the other way seeing a pregnant woman thinking, oh, their baby's alive, but you never know what each person is dealing with. So, um, yeah, we opted to go home that night. They said nothing like nothing is going to like happen. Um, if you want to go home, you can go home. I think it was about 8.30 at night at this point. And um, I just said, I just want to be with Charlie. Uh, so we went home um, and then broke the news to my parents and um, went past Luke's parents' house and broke the news to them, um, which was really, really hard sort of seeing, yeah, seeing everyone so sad and shocked, really shocked because um, no one was expecting that outcome, especially after what happened with Charlie. Um, and, yeah, we just kind of spent the rest of the night, like, just sitting in bed, you know, I'd, I was trying to sleep. Um, but I just kept waking up and just bawling my eyes out. Um because I, you just keep getting reminded like, oh, you're not going to be able to take your baby home. You know, all of the things that you've had experience with your daughter, you're not going to get that now. Um, and then really in fear of the birth on top of that. Um, I remember my midwife, we just finished telling Luke's parents and um, a primary midwife called because um, the doctor that was did the scan, he said, I'll call your midwife and, and I'll tell her. And I said, thank you. Um and she called me and she was just bawling her eyes out. She's like, I, I cannot believe it. Like, I just, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, she goes, I'll, I'll be there with you the entire time. And um, so we went in the next day. We went in relatively early. And, um, you know, she was there from the moment we got there. Um, they have a special room where you can go to. And it's got this, you know, a lounge area before you walk in, um, you know, uh, nice couches and um you know, it's all just so you can just get comfortable for the day. So you can sort of just feel like a little bit at home while you're you're starting the grieving process. Um, mm. We'll then sort of walk through kind of what to expect, um, how there's going to be lots of questions asked um, about lots of different things that we probably hadn't even wanted to contemplate or ever thought about contemplating because um, they also have another dedicated woman who um, – is her job to be there to support yeah. the, the parents, um, which I think is just like next level. I don't know how she does that every day, but she was so relaxed about things like nothing that you asked was going to be silly. It was not going to be, you know, you couldn't be too emotional. You couldn't be too anything. 
because she would have seen and done it all and everything was appropriate and fine because it's what Mm. we were then dealing with. So um, she was there sort of guiding us around what to expect and how things were going to proceed because it wouldn't be like just, yeah, a normal labour. Especially with him in breach as well. Um, There was a lot of talk about sort of how to, how to have a breech birth and what to expect and anticipate, you know, it'll get to this point and then you'll have to birth the head, but you'll sit there for a minute. Cause you know, all these like really detailed information was so valuable because the last thing I was able to do was think about anything. Um, so it was good just to have it all, all the information mm. given to us. Um, and then we could sort of like deal with it, things a little bit easier while we were in it. Yeah. And I like, I've been there so many, like, unfortunately I, my job like to support women through losses and although it's the worst possible like thing to do it's the most rewarding and probably the most special memories that I have with women that I've cared for because it's huge having to go through that like as parents it's massive and nothing nothing can can prepare you for it and I this is what I say to you know families when I'm looking after them even if it's you know within the first like hour that they've found out this news that there is no right or wrong way to be feeling right now like there's no right or wrong option that you're going to pick and you have like time you don't have to I think when these things happen there's a lot of big conversations straight away and it's almost way too overwhelming like I feel like it should almost be you get the news and then we leave you alone for a period of time just to process that to then be able to ask all the questions because all of a sudden having midwives, doctors enter the room saying, hey, this is what you can expect. And I can just see like the women being like, I just felt my baby like moving and alive yesterday and now I'm sitting here and feeling like this. Like it's just awful. Just jog my memory about something. When we were in, um, when we saw the first midwife and she was trying to get with the Doppler the heart rate, when she tried to see the position of the baby and she pushed on my belly, I gone, oh, there he is, he kicked, you know, but it was just the movement of him um, in the waters. And so you go, oh, there's that that little, you know, bit of hope that oh, my baby's okay. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, it's no, no that that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't actually yeah. real. And, you yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it. I've seen the questions that come from mum's mouth being like, no, like, scan it again scan again make sure again check again like my baby is moving like touch my tummy my baby is moving and just I just have such a it makes me I don't know why I'm getting so upset but it just makes me it's horrible it's the worst thing to even try and contemplate yeah and I just have this one vivid memory really prominent in my head and like the thing for midwives is we don't we don't really get debriefed about any of this it's mm-hmm. part of our job and we do it almost every single week like we we may not be there for that initial news but we can be there through the labor care or the afterbirth care like it's it's just it's a heck of a lot for everyone but yep. for you guys and Luke when that moment came of you know there is no heartbeat how did you feel knowing that like shit we're gonna have like Jackie's gonna have to still give birth to our baby I don't really remember thinking of it 
at all like until mm. I think that night when we we're laying in bed and we spoke about it because I know Jackie said it a few times but like it just the emotion that I was kind of feeling at the time was just like it, it wasn't even I wasn't even there yet remember those vivid things that like they probably stick with me for life and like yeah that I don't really remember that detail did you feel in a way of how am I going to be able to support Jackie through this so he was actually so pumped. Like, it sounds really weird. Give it, Like, you've forgotten about this bit. We'll jog your memory in a second. And it's just come to me. But he goes, I am so excited to be, like, just to be that to support. To be the support. He goes, right, we're going to do it. And then he starts getting into, like, his whole, it was like this whole character for him. I've been, like, coach, like, right, we're doing this. You're going to have the best labour. Because the focus sort of shifted somewhat. I think we did it just to get through the labor, but let's make this, you know, a little bit of what we missed out on last time. So the focus was to bring the baby up to me and that's kind of what all I was wanting from this. You missed out on that last time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, To to make it a healing process because like, like I wasn't, didn't do enough on the first one and then Jackie missed out on so much. And then we were talking about me, possibly catching the baby, all that sort of stuff that I didn't get it. I didn't get to do. And then, and Jackie didn't get to do. So I, I do remember that. Like I was. You wanted to be involved. Up. Yeah. To, to do something. And the thought of catching the baby was like, I, I was really excited to do that. I just felt it was such a, a, a beautiful experience. Mm. I did end up catching him and, and like all the emotions um, around it and stuff was, yeah, was, was beautiful. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things that when, you know, you are going through a loss and giving birth to a baby that's no longer living, there's a lot of fear around it, of course, which some women and, you know, support people's dads feel about welcoming a baby that they know is not going to be alive. And that's a thing that I always say is you can be involved as much as you want still, like this is your baby. And these are the memories that you are going to cherish forever and although it's a really emotional time and awful thing that happened you still can make really special and beautiful memories and I'm so glad that you get to look back on that labor and experience and go yeah despite what happened we have the most beautiful memories with our baby Oakley like how special is that and we um we kind of worded it to each other that like it was his gift to us Mm. that like that experience like obviously the first I needed it I really needed it and afterwards I was so proud of myself and just it like I felt like I could do anything after that like physically now I'll go to the gym and I can push harder because it's nothing compared to being able to get through that like once you know your limits Mm. and you've pushed past that and can deal with it you go oh I've got this amazing respect for myself um and what a what an incredible thing I've just done um, to be able to, you know, get through that and and then give birth and, um, yeah, being able to achieve something so significant um, that's just really stayed with us um, so heavily. And so, yeah, that was sort of his gift. Yeah, healing me. experience. Luke um, was, yeah, although it didn't, you know, end exactly how we wanted it, you know, we still got, that beautiful moments afterwards. How was that moment? 
and I know Luke, you're a part of it too, but actually being able to bring your baby up onto your chest. So I, I was in the shower. So I found the shower really helped um, uh, a lot of pain in the front this time, not so much in the back. So Luke was on sort of shower head duty on my back and then we had one going on the front. Um, and we actually kind of had fun throughout the labor and it sounds really, you know, um, really strange, I think, to a lot of people. But, you know, we were just trying to make the most of the situation. Um, and so we were in, you know, it was a really large shower. Because at the time, like in our minds, this was the last time we were ever doing this. Yeah. Because yeah. we hadn't really accepted that we are going to have another one. So we're like, we need to make this the best possible outcome because we're never doing it again yeah. at that time. Yeah. I was in the shower. It wasn't much longer. And I said, like, I feel like I need to push. And they said, right, come out onto the bed. So I went hands and knees on the bed. That, that for me was painful, but the rest of the labor wasn't actually pain. Um, this was pain. And I said, oh my God, that hurts. And my midwife just says, yes, it does. And I just remember it being the most validating thing I'd ever heard in my life. It wasn't, she was trying to like, be like, but it's okay. You can get through it. It was just like, yeah, that does hurt. And that's it. And you're doing it. Uh, I just felt this immediate like relief and I looked down and I just expected to see a baby and there was no baby. And I'm like, but what happened to him? <laughs> and I was thinking, has he, in my mind going, do they just maybe like dissolve? Like literally I, all these things were going through my head. I had no idea what was happening, but my waters had broken. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I went back into the shower Um contractions obviously still kept coming because they were a bit more intense now and I just remember saying to Luke like I don't want to do this I I was I never said I couldn't do it because I'm like I know I I I was gonna do it and I kind of had to uh so I knew that um and we laugh about it still like today but I just said I just I just don't want to do it and Luke goes so yeah this is this is a warning out (laughs) to all the fathers that are listening to this never say well you have to because I was stumped when she said it. She just goes, I don't want to do this. And I was like, oh, I really don't know how to reply to that. And then she's just, I'm just like, well, you have to. And then. He goes, well, you have to. <laughs> and I just turned to him. I said, I know I effing have to, Luke. <laughs> and then he was just oh. <laughs> back on the show. <laughs> um, the classic dad. Yeah. You have to. Oh, do I? Okay. Thanks. Yeah. You can it. go through this, right? <laughs> um. And then, yeah, so when we were in the shower, we kind of like back to that, had um, a playlist of music going and we're kind of like just dancing around in the shower, just trying to have, yeah, a bit of fun with it where we could. Um, But the thing is, like, although you're going through a horrible time, this is what I say to families as well, is no one's expecting you to be crying the entire time, right? Like people do that. If you're smiling, you're going to... You're thinking, why is she smiling? Yeah. Her baby's died, but... No, you can laugh, you can smile, then you can cry, you can laugh, smile, you can do it all. Your midwives are going to still have normal conversations with you. Like you're still a human and you still have emotions and no one's expecting, like that's why I say there's no right or wrong way to behave. Like I think people just think I should be miserable this whole time. So they sort of fight with their emotions, but you can do exactly what you did. You still want to try and create memories that you're going to cherish forever. Because really it was, I'm about to meet my son and yeah actually earlier on so um when you do go into the hospital like the next day and they start the process they do just do one more scan just to yeah the formal one 
and we were sitting there and um the sonographer sort of goes past like you know the um around the legs and I just looked at Luke and I was like whoa (laughs) and then he said um the sonographer goes do you know what you're having and I'm just like a hundred percent that is a boy like without (laughs) a doubt um (laughs) especially with him then asking because I was like, he knows that I've seen it. Um, and that made me really sad because, you know, there was discussion around footy teams and all that sort of stuff. And Charlie is doggy, she's my team. And so this, you know, our next child was Luke's team. And when I found out it was a boy, that made me really sad, just thinking of all the memories that we're not going to have um, to be able to share with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, once uh, I'd gone back into the shower, um, I think I had – three contractions and um yeah his little bum came out I remember like reaching down um and feeling like I had my hand cupped you know around his little bum and I just thought it was the cutest thing ever um and then Luke was down so I was standing in the shower and Luke was down on his knees um sort of like supporting and and holding him as he come out so we both got to share in that experience of sort of receiving him and our midwife was just down on the floor um, next to us as well. Um, and that was our secondary midwife. He'd come out, most of his body had come out. I remember Luke holding him and he was just holding him a bit too well that he was like pushing him up into me. (laughs) He was supporting him a little bit too much. And I said, just let him come out, please. Like you're pushing him back up into me. And then, yeah, it'd been explained to us that with a breech birth, the the head sometimes. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I'm, and that was that was so valuable in that moment because I remember going, okay, we don't have to rush here. It's going to take a bit of time. So then I just kind of stood there and stood there and sort of breathed through. And I hadn't had another contraction. And I said, can I push without a contraction? And the midwife said, look, you can you can try. And so I did a little bit of a, a push, and then his head came out, and I was able to then um, hold him, and the cord was around his neck. Um, and so they untangled him. And then I was able to hold him and just sort of sit with him for a second. And then um, there were some towels down on the ground and I sort of just placed him on the towels because I just wanted to sort of see all of him. Um, cause it's kind of hard looking like while you're holding. And I just wanted to see him immediately. And there was, I had a lot of anxiety around what the condition of, um, yeah. of like his body would be. Um, but he was literally perfect. Um, he looked just like, you know, an average baby. Um and which is kind of a little bit hard for your mind to get get around because you know they aren't alive um and then we were just able to have time with him we moved out to the bed and I birthed my placenta and we just sat and um held him and and looked at him and we said it was okay to for him to go and have a bath so they they cleaned him up and they brought him back all wrapped up um in a little outfit and he looked like just the sweetest sweetest little baby um and then yeah uh, some of our family come in um and so Charlie was brought in as well and she was able to meet him and um yeah we spent the rest of the day um sort of just holding him and spending time with him and getting photos and making memories um that we'd have with him um and they have these things called cuddle cots so um it's like a cold cot that they get to lay in um you know, to help keep them sort of preserved um, because they do start to change as time goes on. And I was sort of finding that a little bit confronting. Yeah. Um, something, you know, you see your baby so perfect and then, you know, they start to change so quickly. Um, I kind of didn't want 
to hold on to those memories. I'd prefer to sort of keep, you know, the nice ones. So we went home um, later that night, but we got the whole day with him. For people listening who maybe, you know, might have gone through a similar experience or knowing someone who's, maybe they know someone who's going through a similar thing, how important was making those memories of actually holding and touching and taking photos with baby Oakley, like for the both of you and Luke? So we, um, the lady uh, that was there sort of supporting us throughout the day, she said, look, really think about how you want to spend this time because this is the only time that you get. Um, You can't come back and, you know, you can't take a photo, you know, in a week's time. Um, And she goes, you can spend as long as you want. I'm talking, she goes, you could spend days in here if you want to, you know. Um, I've also spoken with now, uh, other mums that have lost babies and they've taken their babies home. Like you can, there's yeah. kind of endless what you want to do. It's your baby. You can do what you like. Because at the, at, the, at the start when we were told, it's like we thought it was going to be really confronting mm-hmm. and, and all that. So the midwife that um, spoke to us, she goes, because at first we're like, we think we want to kind of get out of there pretty quick because like we just want to move on because it was like we are just like scared pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was like, we'll, we'll just see how you go when you when you get in there. We'll, we'll see how you feel. And the experience from her and like the reassurance from her was was fantastic because it, it completely changed once he was born. Yeah. Like we wanted to stay in, in the room with him. And I know Jackie said he was like, he's changing and she didn't really want to look at him much. But like for me, it was like the complete opposite. I just wanted to hold him as much as possible. I just wanted to like lay with him. Um, and just like experience him, it was just yeah for as long as possible, and it was just I'm, I'm glad that she kind of reassured us to yeah. to just see how we go when we, when it happens because yeah. I think I would have really regretted that yeah. not that um, having that time. Well, they're like we'll just take photos, and if you don't want them, you don't want them, but you like you've got them if you want yeah. them. And she goes, you can come back in a year's time. We'll have we'll them. Have them. And yeah. so that that was really good, and just being told like you know. Um, you can you can do whatever ever you like, and so then you go. Okay, well, nothing's going to be strange here. I can, you know, lay and hold my baby the entire time. I can undress my baby and have a look at my baby. Um, one thing yeah. I didn't do was um, look at his eyes, so I didn't open the eyelids. Um, and I was asked a question: um, what color his eyes were? And that's one thing I do regret is I didn't. You know, you're doing other things. It's just something that I didn't get to. I didn't think about doing. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I didn't actually see like his eyes. Um, but you, yeah, you, I can't stress enough. Like you can't get that time back. So do with it whatever you like for as how long as you like, because you would hate to look back and say, oh, I wish I had have done that. And um, like, I feel like sometimes it takes people time though. You know, yeah. sometimes they might not be able to do it straight away. Like, And everyone is so different and different cultures as well. But sometimes like I've looked after women that, you know, will have the baby in the room the whole time. Then I've looked after women that might ask for the baby to be, you know, removed for the beginning. And then when they feel comfortable and have gathered themselves, yet then they'd like to meet their baby. Like there's no right or wrong, but just what you said, like the both of you is if you can make memories and at the end of the day, they're your baby. Yeah. Right? Like no one is going to be judging you with however you decide to spend that time with them, but doing something, touching them, You're taking awesome. photos, cuddling. It's a it's a really 
um, yeah, I don't think anyone would judge you for just grieving in a particular way. And we just found the hospital to be really um, supportive Mm -hmm. with whatever we were doing. Um, Yeah, I think the hardest part was for me um, saying goodbye. Yeah. You know, you just just say goodbye and that's Mm. it. You walk away and, like, all the parents out there, imagine just putting your child down and then leaving them where where you put them down and then just walking away from that. I just, that's not part of, that's not who I am. You know, my, what I wanted was my children to stay with me for as long as possible, you know, once they were born and have that connected, connectedness and that, um, that, all that time and to not have that and you just walk out the hospital empty-handed um, yeah I, I can't even describe the feeling it's just an emptiness um, you've left a part of you there um, and then you go back out into the world and it's like it's on fire and no one's really reacting mm. and it's really hard thing to process um, anyone that's experienced loss in you know it's the same type of thing. How do you then just continue in the day to day because something so significant has been taken away? Um, yeah, you kind of don't know how to function for a little while and you go yeah. through your ups and downs just as like you were in there and processing it all. And um, we sort of had moments where we would um, kind of go through stages of having this really dark humour, um, you know, things that, most people would go oh my goodness you were laughing about that but um I'll tell I'll tell one of the stories um we had some friends over and we're all just sitting on our kitchen floor talking about it and they were crying with us and that was fantastic like uh we had a lot of friends sort of coming and going and we were happy to share and we wanted to share and we wanted to sort of talk about it and just for people to sit and cry with us and you know feel sad with us because it was sad um yeah and also acknowledge like your son right and just be able to share in like what we had what I've just achieved in in birthing him because that was really massive for me Mm -hmm. um and how you know just talking about how beautiful and gorgeous he was um but Charlie walked into the kitchen and she had this baby doll um and she walked in and accidentally dropped him and I said look he wouldn't have survived anyway if you come home and you know the uh, my friends looked at me and she could look wide-eyed like am I allowed to laugh at that and Luke and I you know, <clears throat> laughed. Um, but, you know, these are the thoughts that go through your head. You see something and you're like, oh, I'm just resonating with that. Like, and then yeah. you know, that's so inappropriate for what happened, but it's okay because it happened to us. So I'm allowed to, you know, laugh about mm-hmm. it. So my friends kind of sat there and awkwardly laughed. I said, it's okay, guys, we can laugh. Like, and so that gave them permission to sort of, you know, make these jokes um, that would pop into their head, like things that would happen. Um, yeah and I think that's the thing people don't know what to say don't know what to do and so tightly bound and I know you know some mums might be really sensitive about things like that and I totally get that I get go through moments of being really sensitive I'll say a joke now maybe and Luke will go really and I'm like oh yeah I yeah that's probably not like I don't feel right about that you know anymore um but that was how we were processing things at the time it was like so big we just had to make jokes about it in order to cope um, that was your own grieving process. Yeah. Um, 
but we were kind of happy like our midwife was getting on board a little bit with that so it made us feel like less horrible people um Mm. and then um at the memorial as well we had a memorial for him and you get a lot of people just not knowing what to say and not knowing how to um, approach things and not a lot of people not wanting to be there because it's obviously very confronting for them to see um us you know really upset and just look at us again knowing that we'd lost a baby it can be really big for everyone else to sort of get their head around so that in itself is a is quite a challenge is navigating everyone else's feelings yeah. with the situation um yeah. but we sort of made it very clear at the memorial like we want you to cry with us we want you to laugh with us we want you to you know talk but the one thing we don't want you to be is silent that's kind of you know that's the worst thing for us we don't care if yeah. it's the wrong thing and like you yeah. know plenty of wrong things said to us um but we kind of walk away um and laugh a little bit about it I know we were leaving the hospital and we just got in the car driving down the road and I got a text message from someone that I worked with um that didn't know what had happened and she was quite an anxious person um never would do or say anything malicious so when she sent me a text message oh hey did I catch you before you went on mat leave I just wet myself laughing going, oh, my God, she, like, no one's told her what had happened. She is going to feel horrible. Um, But, you know, I wasn't going to get upset at her for that. She obviously didn't know what happened. But the irony in that, like, just as we were leaving the hospital, having gone through it all, I was like, you know, that's a little bit bit funny. Um, (laughs) 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 You have to to kind of laugh at things because – yeah, otherwise if you don't laugh, you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean that's an unfortunate timing, that's for sure. Um Luke, I wanted to ask you a question of what probably was one of the hardest things for you transitioning home? Like I feel like, you know, males in society where we suppress things, we don't talk about our emotions. Did you sort of speak to mates about how you were feeling or how were your friends around you in supporting you um look to be to be blunt not not very good um Mm. i'm someone that needs to talk about it and and wants to talk about it because i'll implode otherwise i need i I, I probably overshare sometimes um because i just i need to get it out because i get physical reactions if i don't get it out of my mouth like i have to have to verbalize it and um i had mates come over like which was great like they were trying to support me by like coming over having a few beers or um going out um having a meal or something like that but i would like i would throw out comments to get the conversation going Mm, um, to actually talk about it about about the birth and about how i'm feeling and all that sort of stuff and they wouldn't they wouldn't take it Mm. or they'd miss it and like after the fourth time that I kind of brought it up and they didn't take the take the bait I was like all right I think I'm in this on my on my own with this Mm. they're clearly too awkward to talk about it and I'm not going to force it on them because all I'm going to get is comments that probably I don't want and I'm just going to feel worse so um it was it was hard it was really hard Especially, like, I think my best mate one was hurt the most because he probably can't talk about his emotions at the best of time. And 
I've really tried to lean on him, and he and he, he didn't know how to respond. So it's not no no knock on him, um, because like I get it. It was just it people, was just, yeah. They just yeah. actually don't they don't know how to cope in those moments. No, and I, I think because it was a baby as well, people don't. So many people don't experience that, so they don't know how to approach it. But it's mm-hmm. just like grieving your mom or your nan or your dad or your brother or sister. It's just it's exactly the same. This is a person that we loved that you want to celebrate yeah yeah and we want to we want to talk about like you would grieve with anything else and mm. it was funny like he's my best mate's father died probably a month ago and 10 of us went out for for a beer just to get around him and i noticed him doing it he was throwing out gems to be like i need to talk about this and he would bring his dad up and then we would all talk about him and i'm like yeah. i'm glad that I was able to experience the negative part of it to know how to, how to experience, uh, how to respond when it happens to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and um, it was, he, he really enjoyed it. And it was, it was good to see that I was able to give it back, even though like I didn't, I didn't receive it. But I think if anyone's, any male is going to take anything out of this is this is pay attention when your mate brings up something is hard to talk about because that's them saying, I need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Now, because and I like yeah. back on as normal yeah. and it never happened, it never existed. And that's the last thing we want is that our baby just to be forgotten about by everyone, you know, because he was a person and he was, you know, our little baby. And so, yeah, just sort of sit with, sit with a bit of like uncomfortableness for a while. Because I would do the same thing, you know, see with people try and talk about the birth, like, oh yeah, with this. And, you know, it was positive for us the birthing experience I think that's what's hard for people to get their head around and people just kind of do the big wide-eyed oh she's talking about it and then don't know how to respond but it's like another birth like because you know it's the same type of process it's not the same Mm. ending but it's a similar type of process one that's going to make you feel powerful it's going to make you feel you know some parts you know happy because you're meeting your little baby um Mm. So a lot of managing other people's um, feelings for quite a few months there once we got back home. Yeah. yeah. Isolated. Yeah. And then you're like experiencing it alone. Wow. And I think because people, you know, haven't met Oakley, they struggle to build that relationship like as him as a person, sort yeah. of what you were saying, rather they think, you know, Luke and Jackie's baby that they never got to meet and – yeah, there's definitely like this is why I'm so grateful for you both coming on to share this story because there's definitely that gap in education out there and it's because we don't talk about it and people feel too uncomfortable to sit in that uncomfortable area of conversation. Whereas for parents, like that's all you're wanting. Yeah. You just want someone to sit there and listen and maybe not even make any comments. They don't have to say anything, but feeling safe to tell your story that's at the end of the day that's all that you want for people to acknowledge your baby and what you've gone through yeah and I know like photos of babies that have died are really confronting I know I've I think that's what had a bit of fear in me when I was going into the laborers I'd seen a few Mm. uh, photos I know family members had uh, of mine had had a stillbirth as well and it was really confronting you know from the outside looking in going oh my goodness that's the dead baby and I just, it just never, like, 
I just never knew how to process that. And so um, what we did at the memorial, because we wanted to share photos of our baby, um, we made like an album and it was my whole journey across like my pregnancy and then photos, you know, um, of, of him that the hospital had took. Um, and so that was everyone's invitation to kind of say, see, like this is who he was um, and his, you know, short amount of time on this earth, um, but to sort of build that picture around him so when we were to talk about it it wasn't just this like imaginary thing that was there but also respecting people um and understanding that sometimes seeing a baby that had passed away is is a it it can be confronting yeah Um, I could totally relate to that Yeah. yeah and in terms of your relationship how important was having each other to get through that tough time well, you just want to sort of, you know, for someone to understand like you're hurt and that there's a part of you that's missing. So for me, just when I am, you know, missing Oakley, I can say to Luke like, oh, this is how I'm feeling and it's not going to be met with, um, you know, him trying to put a positive spin on it. Um, mm. You know, he Luke's been that person that I can just sort of say exactly how I'm feeling and, you know, it's all okay. That, that's fine no matter how I'm feeling um so you need that strong person to be beside you to talk about it whenever it may come up because it can come up at random times you know Mm. um, you're like oh this makes me think of him you know when I see whenever we walk past an oak tree now it's kind of like Mm. you know and so just sharing that with each other has been really nice um and really important Hmm. someone that kind of kind of gets it you know like I, I didn't like the, the correlation with the oak trees was, was Jackie's thing. She, she's like, oh, let me get a, like an oak tree and like it's oak, like Oakley and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, that's cool. And now like there's a there's like four or five oak trees at this open paddock like um, area down there. And I was walking a dog the other day and I walked through there and it was like they're all leaf, uh, leaves all over there because it's spring and, and like walking a dog and I was playing Blink-182 and I was like kind of, it was like a reminiscing kind of thing. Like, and I just, it was really nice. And I'm just like, for, mm-hmm. I'm thankful that, she kind of put that stuff together for me because now I think of that when I yeah. walk past oak trees and stuff like that. It's so like it's your your partner's a big a big deal with going through this sort of stuff because you do get what what each other's going through and you can give each other like support in that in that way, listening, but also like hey, like um, ways on like remembering and yeah, like remembering. Honoring. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, because it can quite you go in your day to day and you're busy, and then life goes on, and then it's like, oh, we haven't like even sat down and like gone through photos or anything like that. So we've got this yeah. album that will just sit out, and we can sort of flick through it together whenever we sort of feel like we're missing him, or we just kind of want mm-hmm. to go back into that space, even though it can be hard sometimes. Because that's a weird I, yeah is, is is like you go from thinking about them all the time. To then maybe you weren't thinking about him for an hour or so in one day, and then you mm. you you feel weird about that, and then you can mm. then lean on them, and you're like, hey, I'm feeling this way. Like I haven't thought about him in like four hours because I was distracted doing something else, and I feel crap about that. And they go, mm. oh, I did, I did that as well. And then you kind of lean each other with that. So yeah, it's um, you, you need that person. I mean, grief is your grief with baby Oakley is never going to stop right he's your son and you're gonna like his light is gonna shine on forever you've got all those memories and 
you know, that was still a massive moment in your life. Like his birth, just because he's not here with us today does not mean that his birth wasn't the same as the other children. Like that was a healing, magical experience for you and you should be able to share that story. And obviously today you have your next little angel baby, spirit baby, Connor, who's who's here sitting with us on the podcast and being an absolute champion. How, and this isn't the main focus of the episode, sorry, Connor, we'll have to probably do another episode all about you. Um, Boring, like. (laughs) We like boring right now for you. Boring in terms of your story, that's all that we want. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I could have coped with a not boring story. But obviously you've got little Connor with you and I guess my question for you guys was how did you go about thinking about okay let's go back for one more baby because pregnancy after loss is a whole other conversation in itself and can be really challenging to navigate um, the second I think I had Oakley and we walked out the door I said I cannot leave this journey like this I, yeah. I can't I have to drum up every inch of strength that I have inside of me I'm a pretty gritty person as it is, but it like took a bit of like, you know, motivating. Um, And I said to Luke, I just think we have to try one more time. I just, like, Charlie needs a sibling. She's very outgoing. And we just looked at her and we're like, we have no choice in this. Like she needs a sibling. Um, So it was a, a difficult, but Charlie made it an easier decision to then go, we need to gift her, you know, a living child to spend her time with and not Mm. just to talk about um so like we after we had a few conversations as well we we come to the decision like we never pictured ourselves with one child we like ourselves with two we want to be a family of four at a minimum so as we spoke about it we're like we just feel like we're not completely whole yeah. So we And we would regret sitting there at 65 going we should have just tried one more time. Like while we had the opportunity, we should have just yeah, given it everything we could. Um and my uh, fertile bodies uh made that <laughs> happen very quickly. Um <laughs> very very quickly. So I think it was the second month <coughs> of us trying um Connor was born. So we kind of wanted to get like, you know, pardon? Oh, sorry, not born. Yeah. Conceived. (laughs) Get too quick. Um, Yeah. We wanted to try like straight away. Um, I think I didn't want downtime between thinking. Mm. I didn't want any opportunity to talk myself out of it and go, oh. Um, So what we did with with, um, Oakley. Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just get it done. And we do that with our whole life. Yeah. Like while while we're renovating, while we've got two young kids and we're just like, we, just get it. Let's just get it done. There's no point sitting around and then getting comfortable and then going through it again. Like we're, we feel like this right now. Let's just write it out for another year. Like it's. And we wanted kids close in age. So I'm like, I'm not going to have that sort of robbed of me. Let's make it happen. Um, and yeah, so Connor's due date was four days after Oakley's anniversary, his first anniversary. So that was really massive. Um, so we did opt to get induced the week before um, of 
Oakley's first anniversary um, just so we had Connor here with us and then we could all celebrate together and obviously yeah. not through a lot of that um, pain and suffering again um, while I was pregnant. Um, and, yeah, within a few hours, Connor's big head popped out in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your water birth. I got everything that I needed and wanted out of a birth. Um, our secondary midwife we had with Oakley was our primary midwife this time. Um, our primary midwife from last time uh, was off having her own baby. So we um, kind of, yeah, asked the hospital if we could have um, her back. So we had that ultimate continuity and that was honestly just the best because you don't have to tell anyone your story. You don't have to repeat all yeah. these. You just go in, hey, this is what I loved about last time. I want to try and avoid this. And they go, yep, 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 let's do it. And, um, yeah, and then even like postpartum has been – way better um I feel much more connected with Connor than I if I was comparing to after Charlie um yeah it's all just been like a breeze and he's the chillest easiest baby um I think would be pretty hard done by if we had a real like colicky like baby that just um yeah screamed all the time (laughs) yeah um so yeah he's kind of the the nice finish to our family yeah and I guess that wraps up the story for today and guys once again thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing this conversation in honor of infant loss awareness month yeah I can't thank you enough for sharing this story I know it's not easy to tell and tell so publicly and openly and you know Jackie you're incredible with what you have gone through to have the strength and the resilience to talk about it and with the aim of educating people and hopefully making other people not feel as alone but also shed a positive light on both of the things that have happened to you like I hope you can reflect and listen back onto these stories and go yeah you're right like I am pretty freaking amazing because you are and Luke I don't think Jackie would be able to have gotten through what she did without the incredible support that you have given her and thank you for opening up a conversation for dads who are supporting a partner through not only labor and birth but infant loss it's not easy being a support person I think you've nailed your job you've done a very good job I'm proud of you Uh, it was fantastic (laughs) all the wives were like swooning over how good he was oh this very good <laughs> oh tell you what we can't give him too many compliments he won't be able to fit out of the doorway his head will be too big <laughs> Lord Jackie mate I'll take <laughs> she coached me well the both of you are incredible and yeah just thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing such a vulnerable story how lucky are all three of your children to have you as their parents thank, thank you, you for letting us share and just quickly while I think of it as we mentioned in episode one, I do have um, my little business, uh, Boomy Babe. The reason why I got that really off the ground was so I could raise some money for Still Birth Foundation Australia and for yes. Stillwear. So we donate $5 of every blanket that we sell to those businesses um, and try and create some awareness and um, some money towards them. So, yeah, any order and gift for another mum uh, not only helps us but helps them as well. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for this opportunity and sharing because we do love talking about all of our children um, and to help sort of change some things in the community with everyone's perception of, of birth and loss as well. So thank you. No, thank you. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Midi. 
Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. Was that my hands or my flaps? I'll let you decide. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember, you're doing the best you can. Love.